We are Triple ALC and we welcome everyone to our conversation. This will be a relaxed and open dialogue to give others a small window into how we feel and think. So we have a special edition, uh, as every week seems like a special edition. We, we're uh, celebrating Hispanic Latino Heritage Month. We have a couple of special guests. Uh, we have Basilio and Elvis that are here uh, accompanying us along with our regular guests. Uh, we have today, we have Paul Bancroft, Remar Christie, uh, Sharon Hall, Jerrica Langless, and myself, Elmer Turner. Uh, and also a new addition to our team, Michael Steen. He'll be uh, helping us with production. So welcome again, Mike. So let's start off with Basilio. Once you introduce yourself, and then we'll go into Elvis Batista. Certainly, thank you, Elmer. Uh, first, uh, a big thank you to AAALC for inviting me here today. Uh, I'm delighted to get to know you, and uh, I think this is a terrific topic as we're getting ready to uh, launch Hispanic Heritage Month on the 15th. My name is Basilio Dayala. I've been with the company for 12 years. I'm a senior director based out of Phoenix, Arizona. I lead the Hispanic Leadership Network, and um, we're very excited. We've got a long list of events that we're planning here over the next uh, six to eight weeks. And uh, through these conversations, what we want to do is we want to create awareness around ethnicity, around the different races that make up Hispanic Heritage Month. A few months back, uh, we had some conversations with members of triple ALC and what we wanted to do was start profiling some of the leaders that come from African descent, Afro-Latinos. And we think it's such a rich area that many times goes overlooked. And it happens because sometimes as we attempt to put things into categories, we not always find the, the very best fit. I'll give you an example. I um, I've been uh, here in the United States uh, a little over 25 years, and during that time, I've, I've met a lot of people, some uh, of which uh, I grew up with in, in San Juan, which is where I was born and spent the uh, early part of my life. And um, by definition, I am a Puerto Rican. Now, what makes it interesting <laughs> is that um, my father was from Spain, my mother's German, so I have a, a really kind of complicated history here. And it's complicated, I'll say, because when I'm in the United States, even though I'm an American citizen, because I was born in San Juan, uh, people think of me as Spanish. When I'm in Spain, people think of me as either American or Puerto Rican. And when I'm in Puerto Rico, they're like, you're not from here. You can't be, you're, you're too light-skinned, your hair is too blonde. So it's, it's, it's difficult to find a place and, uh, and an area where you say, well, I belong. So you have to be, you have to be flexible, you have to be um, just calm and relaxed about it and say, hey, I recognize that all things don't fit neatly into certain categories. And what's important is to let people know uh, how diverse and how rich culture and, and race is, and really try and, um, and give a better understanding. 
because uh, through that awareness, through that understanding, I think we really capitalize on the on the differences among us and the opportunities that we all bring. So I'm delighted here. I know Elvis is, is with us here as well, and Elvis is one of the leaders that we plan to profile over Hispanic Heritage Month. There's a couple of other um, nominees that we have here from AAALC. Uh, I've got uh, Frank Narvaez, I've got Ana Ruth Cruz that we're gonna be profiling, so super excited about that. Um, my um, my uh, level of interest here today in, in this conversation is to talk a little bit more about all the things that make up Hispanic heritage, how we celebrate it, what it means to us, and, um, and also to continue to form a relationship here with AAALC that will last over the years. So thank you once again for having me and uh, I'll turn it over to back to you, Elmer, and then we can you know, continue Q&A or just open conversation. Thank you, Basilio, and I look forward to working with you as well. We're also doing another project with the Conversation Corner coming up. So hopefully by the time this airs, you guys will have already heard that conversation and then piggyback on top of this, this podcast. Um, Elvis, I met you back in Methuen, back when you were a clerk, as a matter yeah. of fact. So why don't you just go ahead and give us your, give us your history, how you got here, and then how you got to, to Albertsons and enlighten right. us on, on your path. Okay. Hey, hi everyone. Um, Alvis Batista here. Um, I'm really grateful. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for the podcast. You guys are doing an awesome job. Um, everybody's getting heard. And uh, for me, for my story, um, I'm coming from the Dominican Republic. 10 years ago, I came to this country with zero English whatsoever. My mom back then, she was a teacher. Um, my dad was a pastor. Uh, my mom was teaching English then, but the English they teach in Dominican Republic is so different in here. I, I thought that English was how you doing and hi, and then that's <laughs> all I needed to know. So it's funny, funny fact that the first day here, so the teacher goes and she bring a um, a book and show me pictures. She goes, oh, what is this? A table. So table is really easy. And then she goes, what it is for? You know, wow. I didn't know how to answer that. So it was a struggle for me, um, English. Uh, I do my best every day to learn, you know, try to push myself because every time you push yourself uh, uh, and be challenged, you, the best out of yourself comes out. And uh, I uh, went to college. I didn't graduate. Uh, I was doing dental hygiene, different field as, you know, operations. Um, I started as a selector here in Methuen in 2017. Um, here in this area, Lawrence, um, Herica, I know it's a lot of Hispanic. You have um, Puerto Ricans, we have Jamaicans, Haitians. It's all over the place. Um, we have a really variety of nationalities and in our cities. Um, so I came to this facility um, where everybody thought only you know, American people, you know, people that speak English uh, will be able to pursue uh, uh, operations positions like supervisors, clerks, um, directors. Um, so I started to select it, they gave me an opportunity. Um, I try to learn as much as I can to be able to be, you know, as assets for the company. I wanted the company to do better every day. 
So ET came on board to train the new system, EXC. Um, I was trying to learn as much as I can. So I try to help all the supervisors, all the people on the floor as well, being as a role model. Um, like if I did it, if I keep reach the position, you guys can do it as well. Um, that's what, what we uh, teach it. Uh, everyone here. I'm also in charge of the new hires, uh, onboarding, uh, also the selection. Um, I try to also teach the new supervisors. And as of right now, we have superintendents from different facilities. I mean, different experience, which they are not from from Iversons. And we try to get them on the same uh, culture. Um, so I've been as a role model here, um, teaching people, hey, if you work hard, and then uh, this is that can be the outcome. Uh, be respectful for uh, to everyone. Uh, do the job, and also try to challenge yourself every day to lose something new. Um, the email opportunity to be a supervisor um, as well. I was offered a superintendent. Let me see. So my superintendent don't look at me. So I was offered <laughs> superintendent uh, uh, three months ago. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't the money wasn't, you know, it's not about the money. I, I want to be able to have power to change to to um, change the culture. Um, I just I don't want to have just a title. I want to be able to um, help the operation uh, be more um, successful and also uh, bring more opportunities to those people that, you know, like myself, they didn't have opportunities then. So. Yeah, so so we're talking about Methuen itself, and and that 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 facility you guys are are order selecting in the produce facility uh, for uh, Star Markets out there in 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 the Boston or the Northeast area, right? Yeah. So just give us uh, a little insight into like you you talk about you you mentioned uh, being a clerk and giving an example to other people on the floor that uh, somebody like your stature, right? Uh, Dominican um, able to get into the office. If, if I'm not mistaken, there was nobody. At, well, let's put it like this. I would say about 90% of the order selectors are Dominican or Spanish speaking, right? Yes. And you guys had no representation of, of Spanish speaking people in, in supervision or in the office area that 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 could communicate, right? Mm -hmm. How, what, what was that like for you mm. on the floor trying to navigate that just to be able to get into the office and then uh being able to what differences have you made since you've been there being able to be that that light that opportunity for the team yes and one of the things they they struggle with you know the language barrier um people you know general how they didn't know how to communicate they come to this country at really late age like 30 17 and up and it's hard for them you know to get used to or learn a new language. So as I became a clerk, I always try to bring up suggestions to my to my superiors. Hey, we need to hire uh, more clerks uh, that speak both languages or supervisors that can communicate with the people on the floor. Um, so that, that had changed. Uh, right now we have about like seven supervisors that are Hispanic. Uh, we have supervisors that you know that can communicate both languages, even um, French as well. We have one guy that speaks French, a Haitian guy. So we always try to promote you know diversity um, 
inclusion because that's what helped the operation to be better because people have different backgrounds but have a in a, a better idea probably have a better idea than i have so we always trying to chase those uh, stories and, and experience so we can help the operation along that that's awesome anybody have any any comments jerica you you mentioned you're from from the northeast yeah i grew up in, I, I know I, you, you know. can speak into it yeah. yeah, I grew up in Boston, so you know my upbringing, and, and I'm Caribbean, so it's a little, it's the same experience in some sense. My parents came here um, from shout to the Caribbean, um, yeah. from Dominica, not the Dominican Republic, Dominica, um, oh, in the Virgin Islands, right? And my mom at the time was working in South Boston, where now it's a whole new, like the waterfront's like gorgeous, FYI. Um, but at the time, she was working with a ton of Dominicans, and my whole dance team at my at the time when I was dancing was all Dominicans. And so, me learning about the Dominican culture, the Puerto Rican culture, and even Haitian, because you know the the island of Dominica was Hispanic, uh, like Hispanic island beforehand, and they split it up. And so, you have such rich culture in Boston that people are shocked about. Uh, between your Brazilians, like all of Framingham is Brazilian, right? Pretty much, and so. I think when you think about the Hispanic di diaspora, it's just rich, so rich between you know African American descent, European descent, and then you know Central America descent. Go ahead, Bree. Bree, you got um, something? Yeah, Elvis, thank you for sharing your story and just you know talking about how you wanted to climb the ranks to be able to be that um, example for other people that come from where you come from and just to, um, like I said, be that example and to show that it's possible for people that look like you to be in those leadership positions and just, you know, show them that they don't have to stay at that one position forever. And I love that you guys are so big on um, inclusion and promoting diversity and stuff like that. Um, my question is for Basilio, though, or either Basilio or Elvis can answer this question. As I was kind of reading about Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, and all the other classifications that they have now, what is the correct one that we should be using? Because there's so many <laughs> classifications now, and I know we talked about this when we had we had a conversation with the Pride Alliance, and we've had this conversation in our own community with um, just African Americans. What's the right word to say? What's the right classification? That's that's a great question, and I'm glad you brought it up, Remar. I am going to try and simplify it really down to its basic points. Um, the term Hispanic really refers to language, culture, uh, descendancy. The term uh, Latino is more of a geographical term. And uh, over time, it, it, it referred to those Spanish-speaking uh, people and uh, territories outside of Spain. And today, uh, the definitions evolve because you can be Hispanic and you can be Latino. So they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. Take, for example, 
someone take me for example you know my my father was uh, was born in Spain um, I was born in Puerto Rico in the Caribbean so had my father not been born in Spain I would be technically Latino okay because I would not have any immediate descendancy tracing back to Spain but since my father was born in Spain I'm both Hispanic and Latino I can be both and it's not that easy for other people um, my example is, is an odd one but one that I try and understand um, I'll, I'll let Elvis maybe explain how he understands it how he associates with with those two terms and maybe we can you know evolve the conversation from there but for me it's uh, it's both and uh, and they're not mutually exclusive yeah um I would say the same thing, uh, but my understanding was the Latino, because the language Latin, Latin, you know, it's that's where it, I mean comes, uh, Spanish. I mean Spanish, uh, English, kind of the same thing. I mean because it comes from the Latin as well, um, but. Yeah, it's it's hard to answer that question actually. Um, yeah. No, we were. It's it's, it's kind of funny because we have that video uh, that kind of alluding to that we'll we'll showcase uh, next Tuesday. But it, there's a third uh, option too. You could be neither. Like Brazil, for example, doesn't speak Spanish. Right. And and they're not Hispanic, but yet they're in South America, right? Which would be qualified as as hispanic or latin but yeah they they, they can it be it's really complicated yeah <laughs> they can be, to a certain degree mistakenly identified as such because um they're they're technically not if you if you were to ask a brazilian they would say no i am not hispanic i am not latino i am brazilian of portuguese descent so exactly and 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 to alice's point earlier um you know latino you know we have these these romance languages, French, Spanish, Portuguese, that all originated from the same roots mm -hmm. and uh, over time evolved. Um, sometimes they're conflated. People think of them as the same, but they're different. Um, Elvis, I'll say when you know when you were speaking earlier about uh, coming to the uh, you know here to the to the United States, not speaking the language. Uh, I went through that same experience and I remember sometimes, you know, I, I, I kid around with my friends and I'll bring up stories when I when I first got to school here. And and what I would do is I would see if, if I if I saw you in class, <clears throat> excuse me. And I heard your name, Elvis Batista, I'd say that guy knows how to speak Spanish. OK, <laughs> and then I would go over to him and I'd say, hola, <clears throat> hola, Elvis. No hablo inglés. I don't speak English. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> and and that's how that's how I would start out would start up and yeah. say, hey, if I would see Elvis raise his hand in class, I would raise my hand. And I can't tell you how many times I got in trouble because I'd be volunteering for things that, you know, I didn't want to be doing. I just wanted to go back home and <laughs> watch TV and learn more about English and, and culture. But that's that's how it started for me. But the point I'm trying to make here is when 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 you think about 
Hispanic and, and Latino. Elvis, you have a, a name that, uh, a last name, a surname that is of Spanish descent. So, um, you know, we all identify how we like to identify, but if I were to say, I'd say you are both Hispanic and Latino. You have, you fit into both of those. You have that Venn diagram where the two intersect, okay? I don't know if that's how you feel about it, but, um, you know, at first glance, if I saw your name and, and I spoke to you, I'd say, yes, this man is of uh, Hispanic descent, you know, and, and and if he lives in the Americas, if he had his family traces their roots to to the Americans, to the Americas, he is of Latin descent as well. Racially, obviously, you're you're of, of African descent, right? And so you have even a more complex background than I have when you think about it historically. So that was one of the reasons when when I was talking to Andre, I said, Andre, you know, a lot of times, you know, we miss these opportunities because um, I gave I gave him an example as, as I was trying to explain it to him. I said, you know, how I can tell you so many different stories of friends, of acquaintances that I've had that I grew up with in Puerto Rico that uh, like in, in, in Jerica's uh, story, um, you know, they went they went to Brooklyn or they went to Queens and um, they didn't speak any English. And 10 years later, they were graduating top of their class in high school and college. And for all practical purposes, they were Americans, okay? Now, uh, some of these families were of African descent. Are they African-American? I ask you. Are they Afro-Latino? I ask you. It's, 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 I don't know. They're, are they both? So it's a fascinating conversation to have as we're creating awareness and, and learning more about culture and, and, and inclusivity. So I wanted to make sure we had an opportunity here. We're slotting nine different leaders uh, over Hispanic Heritage Month, three of them uh, of African descent. And we're, we're super excited because we wanna bring light to, to this, this great talent pool here, so. Thank you, Basilio. I appreciate that. Jerica, I think you, you had a question. Yeah, so I kind of want to go into conversation about language since we were there. And you guys talked about language, you know, learning Hispanic culture. So did your parents teach you this six speak Spanish when you were younger? Was your abuela? Was it your grandmother? How, how did that culture go into your upbringing? Because I feel like for me directly, my dad spoke French Creole and he was like, I'm good. We're not doing that in the United States. So I never learned. You know, so kind of disappointing from my perspective, but I would love to hear from your perspective. So for me, um, since I was born in Dominican Republic, you know, um, my dad, he was working with a group of Americans as well. He knew a little bit of English. Uh, my mom was immersed in um, teaching. She knew French and English. But I never, you know, like I wasn't interested on learning, you know, English, which I that was ignorant. I shouldn't, you know, more you know, active. But learning Spanish, um, this it's more be. I think it's more complicated than English, because Spanish goes a long way. Um, I don't think, I mean, I, I've been speaking this language for 17 years. I mean, 20, 27 years. 
um, and as I don't, I don't still know everything fully, you know. And uh, but um, it's a, uh, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll share with you um, my story as my mom tells it. So um, my uh, my parents had me early on in their marriage, and. Uh, they they commune my my father spoke my father uh, from Spain spoke a little bit of English my mother from Germany spoke a little bit of English so they communicated in English, and uh, when I was born my mother uh, started raising me in German, and my father said no I can't understand I can barely understand English I can certainly not understand uh, German, uh, we, I would like to raise the kids in Spanish. <laughs> so Spanish is my first language. Uh, you, you, you'll be able sometimes to pick up some, some little pieces here in accent and maybe how I construct my sentences. Cause it's, it's, it's not that easy, but I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say this for me, it was something, especially when, when I came here to the U S to go to school and and later on in my career that i that i worked very hard at because you know we were talking about some of the challenges that people face uh when uh emigrating and and, and starting new lives and the language barrier is probably one of the most difficult things to overcome because what, what i found is that it whenever you're in a professional setting you you have to be crisp you have to be succinct you have to be right to the point and when you don't a lot of times you're discredited and you're looked mm -hmm. over and you're pushed aside and what what i've tried to do is is over time in in, in college and, and later on in, in my professional career is in a certain way give back by helping others learn the English language, even though it's not my first language, but I try and, and spend time doing that because it's, I think, the, the building, the platform upon which you can then establish a foundation of personal, professional growth. So that's what I would say is probably uh, what I would consider the, the very first priority in assimilating and really positioning yourself for, for success. I would love if we had ESL classes, you know, if we took that time to do some type of tuition reimbursement that's not large. Those classes are pretty cheap overall, like 1500 and they would do so much foundation for our employees who are Hispanic, of Asian descent, of, of Caribbean descent. It's just like, it's, it's overall, English language is hard. I, I struggle <laughs> so, <laughs> at times. It's really I, weird that you say that, because coming, coming over here from England, I had to relearn English. No way. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's one of the strangest things working in communications. I cannot spell the word color, C-O-L-O-U-R. Right? <laughs> that's, that, that's not how you spell it in this country. So I actually, yeah, it, as bizarre as it sounds, I had to relearn a lot of how things are said in this country so that I could communicate and, and so that I could get uh, what I was trying to say across. But what's fascinating is hearing, hearing both of your stories. And I think about that from a standpoint, I'm a white guy. I, I came to the United States from England. And, you know, when I come over here and, and if I'm white, everybody looks at you and, you know, before you start speaking, they obviously assume you're American, right? Because you're white, you're American. And so I'm, I'm just 
there's so many cultural differences and so many when it comes to food, when it comes to, um, you know, the things that you do. And I'm just wondering, you know, for, for both of you, really, and Basilio from from your father's side, you know, those Spanish traditions, were, were you greeted differently having those cultural values versus what would be the Hispanic cultural values of, of Americans? Yes. Yes. Uh, so I, I've got the ability to draw on the, the, the Spanish side. I also have the experience having uh, spent time in, in the Caribbean and I've also been very fortunate. I been able to travel all up and down Central and South America and, and visit and meet a lot of different uh, great peoples. Um, but when you say Hispanic and Latino, my gosh, we're talking of hundreds of millions of people in dozens of countries. And most often than not, um, here in the United States, especially now as we go into Hispanic Heritage Month, we're probably going to highlight more of what I would say is the, the established uh, Mexican uh, heritage uh, culture. And that's okay that's okay because it it advances all of our cause okay um but those are different than what might be the the values in argentina or colombia or la república dominicana um very very different similar but different so you see those contrasts and you know i've had all sorts of you know funny questions posed to me like okay well what language do they speak in spain things, I, I just the most bizarre questions. Well, Spanish, we speak Spanish over in Spain. Or do you guys celebrate this holiday? And, and sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. So there's a lot of differences, but there's still a lot of commonality. Elvis, you have you experienced the same? The Mayo in <laughs> you guys don't celebrate. I'll, I'll tell you this, as a good Hispanic and a good Latino, <laughs> I will celebrate any holiday you give me. Any okay? holiday. We celebrate everything. Cheers. Even Cheers. Football. Right. That yeah. I get my country, you know, uh, the other day, like a year ago, um, I was with my aunt, you know, at her house, and they never watched football. And then when there's a Super Bowl, everybody's in-house, you know. Uh, we celebrate any of festivities. Um, but yeah, uh, being a Latino, it's a, uh, you get treated, you know, if people know where you're coming from, say, hey, he's Dominican, oh, this guy's is loud. This guy always talks loud. Um, <laughs> my dad's a pastor. He doesn't need a microphone, you know, to preach. So he's a really loud guy. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, the food is different. You know, there are some words, the meanings on and Mexican or coming from Venezuela is different than coming from the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rican. Uh, Puerto Rican. It, it, it's, it's hard. So the only way to pick, pick it up is by learning, you know, like what we're doing right now, learning the people, cultures and, you know, being open mind. Uh, There's one, one thing that we should be, you know, be more, uh, be more approachable. Uh, like that's what supervisors are trying to implement now. Uh, stop, you know, having that angry face. So the selectors see you or anybody needing help, they're gonna, they're not gonna come to you because you have the angry face. You know, you gotta be, you know, always try to uh, be approachable, try to help people, and 
you know, it, that allows people to bring their, their best side, you know, uh, in their stories. Uh, yes, uh, I have people that, that I meet in, uh, in the streets and supermarket that they even outside work, they have respect for me. So that's what stuff I'm looking for is not, okay, is a boss, he just is a boss here inside of the building. No, it's also a leader outside and, you know, they see with respect. That's one of the things uh, as management that we you need to implement, like be an open mind, be uh, friendly. Um, it's not like you get you gotta know every details, but you gotta be you know uh, open for those people on the floor. They they want to hear. They want to be heard. They they want to be you know uh, be able to uh, provide any info or any suggestion that later on is gonna help the, the operation along or even your life. It goes back to something that Basilio said earlier about. Elvis and just, you know, the, the ethnic makeup. And I think, Basilio, we talked about this the last time we were on a call, like, you know, when you have to fill out those forms and you have to check that box. For a lot of us, we don't fit into a box like a lot of other people. Like, you you think about Elvis, his, his background, there's no box that he fits in, but I'm assuming that he would have to check African-American or something close to that. And Basilio, I, I don't even know what you would check. <laughs> and for me, I'm 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 from Barbados in the Caribbean, so I'm I'm neither African nor American. There's no box for me to check. So I'm just like, well, this one is I guess the one that you guys want. And I think that's so I guess I don't have a question, but it's so um it's so strange that we have people that, you know, want to put people in a box like that when they're their life doesn't fit neatly into that box. There's so much different. Um, uh, what? There's so much different uh, ethnic makeup and stuff that you have to that that you have to entail when people when it comes to people. So yeah, I don't know what I was trying to say. Just a quick <laughs> comment on on that, Re. When yeah. when they have to fill out those boxes, it always starts with Spanish speaking, and then it goes into each of the different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. So right. they they kind of split it up like that. But go and ahead, you, know, you guys have a... Just to let you know, there's different states. Either. Oh, so there's yeah. different states that have those. Like, each state, some states what? have, like, Mexican descent. Like, in, in Boston, they have Caribbean right. and Dominican. So it's just the culture that's driven in that area if you really dig down deep into, like... That's, that's um, true. I think, for me, I've mostly seen it when, like, you travel internationally and you have to go through customs and there's only, like one box that you can even get close to is like, well, this isn't me, but I just need to get through this that, line. That was the Idaho entry when you were in <laughs> Idaho. That's what happened. You didn't fly into a bigger state. That's what happened. <laughs> Jerica, you had a question? Um, I don't, so I was talking about, I think one of the bigger things growing Boston is sports, especially baseball, right? Like, let's be honest, Big Poppy is the man. So just want to just want to hear your your thoughts on on the Hispanic takeover of sports in general, especially in the baseball and other sports that are attached to it. I think there's been such rich culture attached to that. And you've seen it with the basketball, but like particularly baseball overall. So any thoughts behind that and and what it's looking like now and how they're building it out overall from the last 90s till 2000s, early 2000s? I'm gonna talk about my own experience. I, 
I love baseball. When I'm not, you know, watching baseball, I'm dreaming about baseball. Uh, it's <laughs> not crazy. <laughs> it's not crazy. Um, I thought I was going to make it, though. I mean, I was working really hard. Uh, I started at an early age. I played with a couple guys that, that I really played in the majors. Uh, Danny Salazar, uh, one co- cousin of mine, Jordan Averto, he got released like 2012. Um, there's another guy playing right now for Boston, uh, Jairo Munoz. I played with that kid as well. Um, there's a bunch of others that I play with. And uh, it's a, we use baseball, you know, if you go to the Dominican Republic, if you're in my town, from girls, uh, um, boys, elderly, everyone is playing baseball, watching or either, you know, playing. It's it's something that brings everybody together. And, you know, every twi- on, the, on the 25th of December, uh, you know, Christmas, they celebrate Christmas here on the 25th. Back in the yard, they're celebrating on the 24th. Uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Yeah, they do the 24th. So the, the 25th, we play baseball. You know, we play baseball in the morning and softball in the afternoon. You know, it's something, you know, yeah, it's uh, basically it's one of the sports. I mean, I can say that because of my own experience, brings people together. It doesn't matter what background you have, you know, always bring people together, as well as soccer, uh, basketball, and you know, all this. I have a Let's question. not forget about soccer. <laughs> yeah. I have a question about that. Why is baseball so big in these countries? I, I, I've never understood like why baseball was so big and there's so much uh, talent that comes out of the, the Latin countries. What, do you know the history of uh, either you or Basilio, how baseball got to be so big in, in your culture? Oh, can I start, uh, Basilio? Yeah. Of oh, course, absolutely. Uh, Go ahead, Elvis. Yeah. We have Roberto Clemente, you know, Juan Marichal. Those people, that, like, they were the light for, I mean, for for us. Like, so so the, as we have uh, uh, Jackie Robinson for Americans, we have Roberto Clemente and Juan Marichal as a icon. You know, somebody that you can look up to and say, hey, I want to be like that guy. So, and baseball had, you know, brought people from from poverty. There's an opportunity from people, you know, be more that than just, you know, living a day-to-day life. Um, and one thing we do differently here, I mean, I could say this, is guys, I mean, they go to school, um that's better i mean doing sports and school at the same time because in the in the art in the Dominican Republic said the art um if you are you know if you have talent at the age of 13 they you know send you to a camp and then that's all you're going to do playing baseball but what about if you don't make baseball what about if you don't get offered or, or get a contract then the rest of your life you, you have no education or nothing so that's one of the things that I loved about, you know, be, being, you know, in the United States. I, because I thought when I came here, so I just want to do baseball and academics. But my coach was, was telling me, hey, if you fail in your classes, you're not going to be able to play baseball. You know, okay, so i got to do my academics as well. So that's something, you know, here that had helped me 
you know, even though I still struggle with my English, it's a really noticeable. But, um, you know, I'm doing my best. And uh, it's something that has helped me. And, you know, every people that I that I meet with or any Hispanic, you know, um, I always tell them, hey, this happened to me. This is my story. But you can be better than me. So this is what the struggle I, I face. Uh, these are the corners, the stuff you got to do in order, you know, to to be, you know, successful. So. No, that's those are excellent questions around uh, sports. Uh, it, it, it seems like uh, impoverished areas seem to gravitate to sports um, for for whatever reasons. I mean, if you look at uh, South America, uh, we have Pele coming out of Brazil, right? So uh, lots of lots of people back then were playing soccer, and that was when. Obviously, you mentioned Roberto Clemente. I mean, that's when it was starting in the DR and all those other places. And I, I, I'm old enough. I remember that. So, yeah, he was number. He was he was the man, number 21, in the gold and black. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of great examples. Um, but my question uh, kind of focused around the kaleidoscope of of um, basically you, uh, Hispanic culture. Um, is there's just so many uh, examples like you, Basilio, you mentioned uh, Mexican culture, right? And then then you have the Lat the Caribbean Latino co cultures between the Dominicans and, and the Puerto Ricans, right? And then you you have the Central Americans and, and South Americans. And then even within those those different areas, you have different um, um, cultural uh, standards or or expectations, right? Uh, Basilio, you you mentioned in the past how your hair is blonde and you were put into this group, right? <laughs> but yet, if you heard somebody speak Spanish, you already feel connected to them. Um, I, I just think that's something that should be uh, pointed out that uh, America isn't the only melting pot, right? I, I think I think the the melting pot is a lot bigger than just just us. It's more of a comment than a than a question. What, what do you guys think? And that that's open to everybody. That the Hispanic culture has a larger melting pot than America itself, right? Just just look if you look at the the different Hispanic Latino cultures, that's there's a lot of differences. Uh, from you have uh, European descent, mm -hmm. uh, you have uh, you have African descent. You have Native uh, American, not Native American, but Native to that Native. that region, whether yeah, whether it's South American, Central American, Indigenous, exactly. And then I could almost look at, uh, and this is kind of going off topic a little bit. I just look at Dominican Republic and, and Haiti, same yeah. island, but they yeah. com treat it completely separate. There's actually an animosity if you if you would speak yeah. to that, and and there, and and Haitians don't even see themselves even close. To Dominicans, they 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 lean more to French, but yet I'm sure their ancestors are connected directly same. because they're on oh, yeah. the same <laughs> island, right? right? So I'm just saying there's a lot of diversity in in uh, the Hispanic Latin culture that I don't think is understood by those, let's just say, uh, regular Americans that <laughs> only see themselves as. The standard of culture. It's fascinating, actually, because it's the same with the Caucasian 
popularity. I mean, seriously, take England as an example. You've got two other countries connected to it. Yeah. And none of them relate. I mean, if you turn around and tell somebody who's Welsh that they're English or Scottish that they're English, they're, they're going <laughs> to, you're going to be lucky getting out of there alive. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's right. You're, you're right because not everybody looks at it at that with that view either is that it is a melting pot just because I'm white. I could be from Norway. I could be from Sweden. I could be from Denmark. I could be from Australia. I could be from anywhere. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's just fascinating that, that when you look at it like that, yeah, you're right. It's a huge melting pot. You don't see that there are so many different cultures and different ways of doing things and, and religions, I would assume as well. I think we tend to judge books by their covers before we yeah. actually read them. So going back to what you talked about, Paul, you, you, you're white, but that doesn't mean you're from this specific place. You could be from a totally different place. And just even with me, a lot of people see me and they're like, oh, he's American. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm from Barbados in the Caribbean. I don't even like sometimes when I'm having conversations with like like American black Americans, I'm like, I don't really get all of your like inside jokes or all your like cultural represent because that's not my culture. It's not like I'm like trying to like be mean about it. It's like I didn't grow up here. I I don't get it sometimes. So I I, I agree with what you're saying. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, I think it can be tough when you think about the Hispanic diaspora in general overall, because when we think it's and especially where you're from directly. So if you're from if you're from United States, you're going to think about only particularly probably Mexican and then the Caribbean. And then I like to be very transparent. I usually don't even think about, you know, South America, which is just I'm like, because they're not close to my mind of thought process. Like I went to Jamaica once and I was in, I was in the car going to our resort and there were, there was Colombians behind me. And to be very transparent with you, they were speaking, they were dark skinned, they were speaking Spanish. It looked just like me. And I was just like, I was like, I didn't want to be rude, but I was just like, huh. Like, it was just so shocking. Because when I see about, when I see media, of Colombia, I think of long, very light-skinned women and, yeah, and curvy yeah. and this. It's not my thought process. I was just like, I was like, can I talk to you? Like, I was just, I'm, I'm a curious person. So that's my thought process. And I think media should be a thing that we think about because media on Hispanic culture makes you think of Jennifer Lopez. Mm -hmm. What's the girl from um, Modern Family? What's her name? Sofia Vergara. That's who I think of, which is very <laughs> sad. <laughs> and no, I'm like, I know, oh, I know there's so much more. I know exactly what you mean. I think I think after last year, that's been changing a little bit more, where we're seeing more of the the nuance and differences of people. Like you see darker Hispanic people on TV now. And you're like, oh, that that I to not sound bad. You'd be like, they do exist because media for so long has just shown the Jennifer Lopez's, the Sofia Vergara's, the, those people that are were more as bad as it sounds, palatable to, to mainstream to show off. And now it's like, well, we got to show everyone now. That, that, that's a great point. Uh, you know, my my experience in Puerto Rico was just like that. Um, a lot of everyone, everyone, just about everyone I knew and, and that I associated with 
um, had darker skin tones than I had. Even in Spain, I am very fair when I'm in Spain. Uh, Spain is, is a country that has it's has a very broad racial uh, makeup. Um, where I lived, uh, we were uh, colonized by um, a lot of the North African uh, cultures, and they lived in Spain for 800 years. They taught us math, they taught us uh, architecture, uh, law, philosophy, and if you, if you were right now with me walking through one of the streets in my hometown in Spain, you'd probably see a lot of very dark people that have sort of Arabic and, and Northern African skin tones. And you say, Basilia, these are Spanish people? Kind of to Jerica's point er earlier. Um, and I'd say, yes, this is what Spanish people look like. It's just in the media, um, there are different portraits of how the media wants to present different cultures and, and peoples. But the reality is very different. But still, I went to Spain in 2015. I did a backpack trip with my friends. We were like, let's go to Europe. And we stopped in um, Barcelona for five days. And I had the most like, beautiful time there. Um, and I think everybody thought I was at the time because I had this hair, the still hair I had now, and it was the curly in time, you know. And <laughs> they were like, are you? I was like, no, my friend was Portuguese. She's from Cape Verde, so she spoke a lot of Portuguese. So they were just automatically assumed that we were both Hispanic. I was just like, no, no, Espanol. <laughs> <laughs> but the culture was so rich. I spent a lot of time eating paellas. Oh, and just wow. being first, and first the, the wine there was like $1 for euro. And I was like, everything is just so, you know, rich in that culture and they were so welcoming at the at, when I went there too. So very, very good experience. We're, we're social people. I'm glad you had a great time there. We'll have a to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey Jerick, could you ask Sharon's question? I can. So let me go. So Sharon had what other stereotypes have you experienced as, you know, somebody from Hispanic culture overall, um, that you you're like, that's not me. Elvis, do you want to start us off on that one? Yes, it's uh, so one like 2012, no, 2014. I went to Detroit, you know, to play baseball, college and baseball. Um, there was American guys said, oh, "Are you from Cuban?" Yeah, because of my last name, Batista, and yeah, there's a lot of teletyping, you know, because of your last name, your colored. You know, sometimes you get treated a little differently. Uh, you got, this guy's going to slog a lot. It's from Cuban. Yeah, that wasn't the case, though. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, depending when you go, um, people still learning, you know, learning the Hispanic, the, the learning everyone's, you know, culture and nationalities. And that, that, that uh, that'll bring, you know, it's gonna help the, the future for the, I mean, I'm saying like for the entire world, because um, learning all the, uh, different people's backgrounds, nationalities, um, it's you know, making understand hey, what they went through, um, what their cultures are, the food favorites or the sport, um, instead of just treating okay, these guys like that, just I'm, I'm, let me put them aside. Um, it's well, it's it's good to get to know um, people um, 
and yeah and instead of just stereotyping once you see him yeah so so what i what i'll say is probably it, it kind of falls in line with what we were talking about before which is maybe maybe the North American uh, stereotype of Hispanics being maybe primarily a, of Mexican descent or um, the food, um, the culture. But I think probably the, this is also going back to an earlier point, it's, it's the issue around, around language. And I, I think it's such, such an important piece for us to focus on um, you know, as, as I hear Elvis, as I hear Remar speak about th their stories, um, and I can tell you personally, uh, it frustrated the heck out of me being dismissed because of an accent or inability to articulate, and maybe even to Paul's point before, uh, to articulate something in English as we would expect it to be articulated here in North America and maybe different than it's done in England or in the UK. And that that's that's something that I've tried to work on very, very hard because I wanted my voice to be heard. I wanted a seat at the table. I knew I had a story and a contribution to make, but it was sort of like there's this this gate that it just seems like uh, keeps moving on you. And, and you say to yourself, uh, I won't give up. I'll continue to work on it and, and help others. And I think, I think that's one of the biggest opportunities as, as I hear Elvis's story uh, bringing in and, and serving as a role model for, for others that are trying to find their way that, that we maybe think about and talk to our management, um, maybe some, English classes or, or tutoring, or mentoring, you know, just an opportunity to, to share our stories with those that are coming behind us so that they may stand on our shoulders and not have to do the same, climb the same cliffs and, and mountains that we had to climb. Yeah, definitely, Basilio, and being more patient, right? Like, yeah. like uh, Elvis was saying, or in your experience, right? Uh, when somebody comes to, to this country, English is a very difficult language and being able to uh, speak it immediately is not easy. I mean, Jarek even says she has problems with English. Yeah, so do I, right? <laughs> um, and Paul came over and he had issues. So we, we need to be a, a little less uh, cocky about what we do and 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 more humble about what other people are, are uh, trying to accomplish. Uh, yeah. At least you can speak multiple language. Most of those people that are complaining can't even speak English properly. <laughs> but... <laughs> we have a bunch of questions in the chat. Um, I wanted to hit a, a, a quick topic around colorism. That's kind of one of the things we we um, we are going to talk about in the future podcast. But we we've all noticed it within our own culture, and and I've noticed it when I watch Univision. I, I, I think everybody kind of knows what what that <laughs> network is. <laughs> and, and colorism is is heavy there, right? I mean, if if you're not blonde. Uh, and and handsome handsome European features, you're probably not the lead in the in the story, right? Or the lead of the show, or featured on news uh, cast. Um, Basilio, I'll start with you, and then go to Elvis. How how do you guys see colorism, at least in your experience, through the Hispanic culture? Not necessarily uh, 
through American eyes or whatever, but in, in what you've seen uh, in, in your experience. I'll tell you when, whenever, um, whenever I'm back in Spain and I watch TV, it just, it always strikes me at how different it is from what I see in the United States. Um, so, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, maybe some of the, the leading roles are uh, cast as um, blonde or maybe even whitish uh, actors. When I'm in Spain, what I primarily see are are, are doc, probably the the profile of the of the Spanish um, attractive uh, couple is they're they're dark toned, they're dark haired. Uh, it's it's very different. So I I think there there are some um, culturalisms in there uh, here in North America. Uh, and maybe maybe some of it is also me taking more notice because when I watch Univision, what I really enjoy about it is is the passion, the emotion. Uh, you know, it seems like the volume levels always up a little bit higher than regular uh, <laughs> yeah. North American television. You know, the goles, how they're celebrated, all of uh, all of those things. But um, I tend to see a, a, a very broad palette. Uh, probably broader than I see maybe in, in, in some of the sitcoms and other shows that I watch on, on the regular um, channels. So that's my my first impression. And, and that's what I really enjoy. Because I'll tell you, whenever there's a soccer match, I do not watch that in English. Sorry, Paul. I You know, they usually have those British uh, sports... Uh, uh, you know, guys there that know uh, all the technical and strategic, but I love watching it in Spanish. It's just, it's a different game. <laughs> so, yeah, they don't have a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> to, to, I just want to jump in here real quick to what Basilio just said. Just growing up in Barbados, we're like so close to South America. We got a lot of channels in Spanish. So honestly, watching soccer matches in Spanish was more exciting because of what you just talked about, that that emotion, that energy that they have when they're commentated. And then you go over to the English side, the British side, and they're just like, so boring, Paul, so boring. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the difference between, and there is goal. And yeah. goal! Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So Elvis, what, what's, your, what's your perspective? Yeah. Same as Basilio, I think going back to our country, my country, Dominican Republic, I see the those um, news uh, caster, broadcaster, they're dark skinned and the comedian as well. Like, you know, it's kind of different as they promoted in U.S. Um, definitely, um, I will be watching um, uh, Univision for, since I remember because my mom watched novellas and you know, there's something <laughs> that all Hispanic uh, women, you know, are interested in. Um, but yeah, and, uh, back in our country, it's uh, it's different. Uh, they trying to give chances to those people, you know, everyone, you know, being um, open mind and uh, it's definitely it's different. But though, nice. uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to transition okay. to another question. Yeah, um, but on the kind of racist side, um, I'm going to share this. This is something like family stuff. You know, my um, my my grandpa, I mean, my dad, 
it's uh, dark skin, right? My my mom, my mom on the other side, it's uh, like Basilio. So being said, my family from my mom's side didn't like my dad at all. Coming from a poor family and especially, you know, because people with internet, you know, they don't allow um, colored. So this has been, go been going on forever. You know, and still that point right now, they don't like my dad, even though my dad tried to be helpful for the family. That's something we struggle a lot. And so um, until so right now, they're being married for 30 years and still hasn't changed. <laughs> it's still my nice. grandpa. Um, I'm not the, you know, one of the favorites with grandma's grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something I, I deal with and I understand. Um, uh, I, I don't have to make her love me because, you know, whatever happened, happened. But I uh, try to always embrace what I am. And, you know, and I don't have to, you know, say I have no regrets, no regrets at all. And, uh, you know, I'm real proud, you know, be my, my, my dad's, you know, son. Um, so I just want to share that with you guys. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Elvis. Um, I have a question for both of you guys. Uh, what does Hispanic Heritage Month mean to you? And how do you celebrate with friends and family? And knowing that you guys have such different cultural backgrounds, how do you incorporate a piece of each of those cultures into your celebrations? Basilio, you can go first. <laughs> okay, thank you, Remar. Uh, great question. So for me, uh, it, it's an opportunity to, to reflect on Spanish uh, history and culture. And when I do that, it, it really always comes back to the family. Uh, the family is such an important uh, unit. It's, it's what all your life revolves around. Um, I'm very close. Uh, I lost my father already some time ago. Um, I was I was I was young at the time, and uh, my family has remained very close. We all ended up coming here to the United States, starting a new life. So uh, we talk to each other, if not every other day, a couple times a week. So uh, it's an opportunity for us to come together and give thanks uh, for our our roots, our culture, and at the same time reflect on how wonderful this country has been for us. You know, I, I spoke about some of the challenges before when when faced with with a different language, with a different culture, with a different people. But at the same time, uh, the generosity that we felt, the um, the opportunities that we've encountered and uh, the blessings that we've had, we, we, we don't forget those. So we reflect on our culture. We reflect on the greatness of, of, of this country. We come together as a family. Um, we, we try and meet up. You know, obviously, the, these last couple of years have been a little bit odd with everything that's going on. Uh, but we do try and get together and, and, and uh, we do a lot of cooking and a lot of remembrance and, and really just uh, give thanks. So it's about family and about gratitude. Mm -hmm. I, I would say the same thing, Basilio. Um, 
we get together with families every you know every week it gives us a chance to reflect for our you know uh, those people that make the sacrifices coming to this country you know try to do the, the right thing learn a new language facing all those challenges and overcome them you know and uh, also family it, it's a uh, as far as, as the foundation of earth family it's being in there um, so there's something we gotta keep embracing uh, family bring people together I mean family together doesn't matter the obstacles you know whatever had happened just forget about that and try to bring it together um, especially here in Lawrence they uh, they actually celebrate you know Hispanic heritage they, they, um, they do a fest they bring in you know mechanics uh, um, they also they do um, where's it called First of all, something like that to do here, um, but it's 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 been it's been great and you know and something all Hispanic people should should go back and reflect on that. Jerica, you had a question. Well, since we're talking about like family and stuff like that, can we talk about the food? What's your favorite food? Because <laughs> I'm like, we're here. Why not? We continue the conversation. So, um, yes. what is that? Yeah, I know, right? Cheers to the food. What is that in your culture? What are some things you like cooking yourself and when you're with your family? Um, do you have any recipes you want to share with us? No, joking. <laughs> with those kind of questions. I'll share the recipes, please. Yeah. <laughs> roasted, roasted pork. You know, I don't know if Vasilio would know about that. Roasted, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, with plantains or rice, you know, it's, it's something it's always done in. in you know, especially in Dominican on the 24th of December. You know, if that pork is not on the table, something's wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, um, yeah, so we, so we do, we also do a lechon. Is that what you're referring to, a lechoncito? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. all right. We do that. Um, I, I love the, the Puerto Rican rice and beans. That, that's a staple in, in, in my home. My gosh, can't live without that. Um, but I'll tell you, Jerica, when you mentioned paella, I, I, my mouth went to water before the paella valenciana, you know, with all the all the different seafood. I love that. But I mean, I, I'll tell you, I was in uh, I was in San Diego this this past weekend and uh, I had a chance to visit a couple different taco shops. And oh, my gosh, that I, I ate. I ate some of the best tacos I've ever had in my life. So what's what's so amazing is always a, a, the freshness, the variety of, of, of all the food, um, whether it's indigenous or it has a, an African um, influence, the Creole that we have there in the in the Caribbean. Um, Elvis, you even brought up the, 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 the plantains, et cetera. You know, all of these things fusing together and all the combinations of flavors and textures is my favorite. Absolutely, absolutely. Comida criolla. <laughs> I'm going to add into that. So I'm going to go. So we're, we're talking about food. What about the culture of dance? So like when I grew up, I grew up with bachata and merengue and salsa. And, and being a dancer, I learned bachata early because I dated a guy who was like, you got to come to the house. You got to learn bachata. Don't come to my, my family cookout and not know how to dance. I was like, oh. Okay, I you know, so you sit there and learn to like, okay, step in, step out, keep going, keep going. Like, don't bear stuff. Don't let the aunt, the, you know, say anything to you like, you know, so anything that you guys like directly or what's your favorite dancing in, inside your culture? 
Yeah, for, for us, that would be bachata. Uh, though I don't know how to dance bachata. I mean, I just know how to do a couple steps. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to a point, you know, when I was in college, you know, there was one professor that, tell, that, that said, Elvis, if you teach me how to dance bachata, you know, I'll pass your class. You know, wow, I'm going to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, but um, bachata is definitely, you know, one of the stuff that defines, you know, defines Dominican, um, also merengue as well, uh, typical. I sent a picture um, to uh, E. E. Turner. I was holding a Wida, you know, self made of, you know, um, I think it's you get you grab a can, then try to kneel holes around them, and then use a fork, and then swap, swap, swap. Yeah, then you make music out of that. So that's what we call the Wida. Uh, I'll tell you that there's so much dance. Uh, music is such a part of Hispanic and Latin culture, and it, and it, and it permeates not only the dance, it, it permeates life entirely. Um, you know, we talked about baseball, we talked about uh, football, soccer. Um, there's a reason why uh, some of these South American teams are, are so successful. Just the moves, the dance, the, the, the way they feel, the rhythm, the, the, the fakes, you know, it's just, it's just fast. Yeah, it's just fascinating. I love uh, salsa, merengue, cumbia, all of that. It is so much fun. That, those are some of the things that I, I dearly miss because there's such a wonderful opportunity to, to break down stereotypes and barriers among people. Uh, you know, growing up in, in, in the Caribbean and in Spain, it, the expectation was uh, the, the male is going to approach the, the opposite, uh, the, the female, and, and he may not yet ask her what her name is, but he's going to ask her to dance. You don't, you first dance, see if there's a little chemistry there, and then from there you say, okay, well, what, what's your name? Oh, okay, well, I don't, don't want to talk to you. Okay, <laughs> however that evolves, okay? But that's that's the start, and it all evolves from the music. You know, we we have a we have a music, we have a rhythm in us that just it just carries over to everything we do. So, so you, right. you get to have the conversation if you you judge them on the dancing first, and you. That's why, uh, to Jerrica's point, you gotta you gotta be tight on on your on your moves. You gotta have good moves. <laughs> what is cumbia? Is that a different form that I, I'm not I've never heard of? Colombia, the Colombia, yeah, yeah, yeah. So every every country has like you know in, in Argentina you got el tango, in Spanish you got flamenco. You know everybody's got their their different moves. <laughs> in Brazil, that kind of leads me back into um, just how yeah. different everything is. How how I mean you you talk about seven or eight different dances, but yet they come from different sections of of, of the world, and it's. I guess there was a question in the chat. Is it offensive to be called uh, Mexican? And and it is, right? That would, because there's so many different influences. No, because it, I, I'll speak for myself. No, um, it, it doesn't offend me. I, I just take it as an opportunity to, to create awareness and, and say, hey, um, I mean, uh, someone might come up to me and say, hey, uh, I thought you were from California or you were from New York or to Paul's point before, you know, they may think he's from uh, Idaho or, or Northern California. 
not offensive. I, at least I, I, I don't find it that way. Yeah, to me either. I, I don't. I don't try to get offended by any racist. I mean, racist to comment because if they don't apply to me, I, I don't have to. You know, get it. So I just let it go. And like like Basilo says, I take out opportunities. Hey, I'm really from Dominican Republic and have my ass in, you know, can you see it? So stuff like that, you know, I always try to take the chance to um, teach people different, you know, whatever they have on their mind or mindset, hey, this is not how it is. This is a real thing. So, yes. Definitely. Ain't nobody's going to think that you're Mexican anyway. <laughs> but like you said cuban right cuban so that, yeah that would definitely come up yeah any other questions or, or do we want to close it out remar you got the close out today yeah i'll do it i'm checking to make sure we got all the questions oh there's one more i think that was all there's one more so i know you guys talked about the food a little while ago but what foods do you that you don't normally have throughout the year that you look forward to at a special occasion i know elvis talked about the the pork is that right mm-hmm. what, is, what is the actual name of that dish um porco asado one more time <laughs> <laughs> porco asado that's how we call it oh basilio has a better name for that what is it called? Uh, well, you got the lech- the uh, lechon a la mara. Uh-huh. Lechon. So, so are those mostly around Christmas time? Yes. Yes. Oh, cool. Special celebrations, mm-hmm. first communions, family. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think that was the last question. Yeah. Any other comments that we want to add before I close it out? No, I just thought this was a good example of showing the diversity uh, within the Hispanic and Latino culture. And and really, I think both Basilio and Elvis are great examples coming from two different parts of the world, but sharing a lot of similarities and still a lot of differences. Uh, I think it was awesome that they were able to showcase that in today's podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for coming on. I appreciate you taking your time to hang out with us today. Thank, thank you for, for the you. opportunity. And uh, I extend to all of you an invitation to join us also in the Hispanic Leadership Network, ARG. Elvis, I'm very excited about the uh, the leadership profile. I hope you come and join us. I uh, would love to talk to you also about maybe some plans for an ARG out in, in your neck of the woods. Um, but I, I hope we stay connected. I've really enjoyed listening to your story and I wish you all success. As well. Thank you guys for having me. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Basil is being a pressure for Remar, uh, uh, Paul, Erica, Ilmer. You know, I, I love your brother. Thank you for, for everything you have done. And Michael, nice meeting you. <laughs> you know, peace to all of you guys. Love you all. Yeah, thank you guys. This has been another episode of Triple ALC podcast. We had uh, such a phenomenal conversation with Basilio and Elvis. Uh, we're talking about Hispanic Heritage Month. And if you have any questions, comments, or queries, go over to our SharePoint on uh, the website. And we're excited for the next episode that we're going to do after this. So thank you guys. 